1: Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach.
0: Hey, I'm Jen and I love horror movies. I'm Mikey. Yeah, I'm dead
1: inside and I also love horror movies.
0: And we really like to torture our friend Todd because he hates horror movies.
1: That I do. And that's why they call me the horror virgin.
0: <laughs> that's the only reason we call him that. I'm not,
1: no other reasons at all. You're None. At at all. All. Whatever.
0: So every, <laughs> every week we take him through the encyclopedia of horror the good, the bad, the ridiculously Jack Frosts. <laughs> and then we
1: make fun of it more or less,
0: or explain its deceptive. Feminism.
1: Oh. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. That's my thing.
0: <laughs> and I'm the funny one. <laughs> <laughs> Our episodes drop on Monday, so check us out.
1: Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. The interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence of Sounds, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much for checking out the series today. Thanks again to all the subscribers who keep up with all of the episodes. We do produce uh, new interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, I always love hearing from you all. Thank you for the comments that you leave in the various places, uh, whether that's in, uh, in, in podcast land, like on uh, iTunes and Apple Podcasts, which, by the way, you leave comments there, really helps out the series. Uh, I also read all the ones who come in. Through through the youtube channel as well and you can listen to spotify if you're not a subscriber uh any of those places or wherever you get your podcast from uh please take a moment to hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with the series keep up with all of your favorite artists i'm kyle meredith today i'm talking with the psychedelic furs founding member tim butler jumps on the phone to talk about the band's first brand new album since 1991's world outside. That's right. They've returned in 2020 with made of rain. We're going to get into the, uh, the ins and outs, why exactly there was so much space between the albums, the idea of picking up new fans as well as to catering to old fans. In fact, it's a really interesting, uh, cyclical moment here. You know, when we talk about, you know, are they trying to look back at any of their previous eras for the sound? He says, we're actually looking at bands and being influenced by bands that were influenced by us. So that's a really interesting moment coming up in this interview. There's also more band input than they've ever had, or at least that they've had in a very long time that went into this album. That also includes uh, one of the co-producers, Richard Fortas. Now, you'll know that name. He stretches far back, at least as the Love Spit Love albums. Uh, As a longtime fan, Tim's going to tell us he was the perfect person to pick to help helm this record. There's a lot of alliteration in that sentence right there. Curiously, there's also some inspiration taken from uh, David Essex. And considering that era right there, we're also going to roll the clocks back to 1980 because it was 40 years ago this year. In fact, 40 years ago this month – that the Psychedelic First released their debut album, the self-titled LP. I get to hear all about that, sort of helping to create post-punk, coming out of the punk movement, and being in a six-piece band with saxophone. Now, that wasn't an instrument that was completely obscure at that time. There were still plenty of bands doing that, even looking at something like the E Street Band in a very different type of rock genre. But coming out of the punk world and not being ska, well, it helped define their sound anyway, so we're going to get into that as well. So let's jump into this, talking about the record, made of rain it's kyle meredith with the psychedelic furs
2: hey kyle how you doing
1: man i i can't believe i'm saying it but uh the psychedelic furs are back we've waited so long a long long time uh with this excellent new record made of rain congratulations on this
2: thank you it's uh good to finally have it you know coming out and together and everything you know it's been, it's been a while we've been working on it you know bit by bit for quite a few years
1: when did you start working on this because you know it's as the story goes now it's almost been 30 since the last record and of course there was a time in the in there that you weren't a band and then got back on the live circuit when did you first start talking about making a new record
2: probably early early 2000s you know shortly after we'd uh, got back together but we, we were a bit tentative about it because we wanted to make sure, you know, that we still had the uh, the chemistry and uh, things to say, music to, to make that would that stand up to our past catalogue.
1: And that's a long gestation period. I mean, was the entire time, was it a meticulous process? No, it's a long
2: period because, we, I mean, as I said, we wanted to make sure that, you know, all the songs were what we considered good enough to be on the 8th, on the 5th, album. And there was no pressure. And, you know, we had taken the break in the, the 90s because we sort of got sick and tired of the, I guess, the pressure of, uh, you know, album tour, rehearse, write new songs, album tour, you know, from record companies. So we were still a bit sort of shy about, you know, committing to a uh, time frame or, you know, to that sort of thing. So, I mean, it took, a, I mean, one of the oldest, Songs on the album, I guess, is Wrong Train, which was written in, I guess, 2004. Wow. Four or five. But, but uh, actually, what's Stranger. we had a lot of songs but most of the songs on the the album came together i guess in the last you know six months before we started recording
1: it's funny how that happens you know finally when you you know yeah, it's time
2: well, it was, yeah which is great because i mean like I, yeah i guess the time was right i mean it, it's great as well because everything sounds up fresh and i mean still fresh to us when we go out and play it live it's going to be you know we're just getting excited about doing that
1: well there's obviously magic that happens when you all write together you 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 know, something quite, it sounds quite natural. But when you're putting together a record, and especially one that, uh, you know, does come so far after the last one, do you find that there is an era in their past that you want to touch on?
2: Yeah, we, we we have to, keep, I mean, of course, keep our own sound, but we also, you know, you, you have to show that you're not you know, just a bunch of old geezers, you know, retreading your heyday. So, I mean, you listen to what's the music is going on around you and you are sort of influenced by it, which, I mean, you'd have to be deaf not to be influenced, you know, over the years by different music. So it's, we, we sort of take in, I guess, inspiration from bands that have been inspired by us in the past, so it's, it's a sort of a, a circular thing.
1: <laughs> Very cyclical like that. It's really interesting. I, I mean, music comes in waves and cycles, things come and go and everything, but, but like post-punk is having uh, another moment in the sun right now, so it's interesting that this does arrive during this time, because I don't think it could have been better timed.
2: It's strange. In the, in the 90s, bands were, you know, grunge bands, and they were putting down, put down bands from the, the 80s, you know, and now it seems like those, those bands are sort of forgotten. As you heard now, it's more of like the 80s
1: sound is, uh, is back. But, and to be fair, by the way, this record, Made of Rain, sounds vital. It sounds present. It sounds relevant. It, you know, I, even reading some of the comments as the first single comes out with Don't Believe, I think that surprised a lot of people, you know, because bands do come back after a lot of years. And that's not always the case, you know, that, that whether or not it's good and, and putting that aside, it doesn't always sound like now. And, and even though there is a classic first sound of this, everything about this sounds very now.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think that that was sort of a a worry we had, that people, well, we wouldn't meet expectations of, you know, being not groundbreaking, but, you know, uh, relevant. Because if we'd come out with an album that sounded, you know, just like retreads of uh, the 80s albums, I mean, they'd, they'd be good albums, but, you know, for people to hear and think, wow, they're back and they sound
1: now. As, as fans, I think you know we have an idea of a band, especially a classic band. And, and for you all, I mean, you know, it's almost like when you've got that much history that there's that potential that you're held to a memory that's basically a one small moment in your life from, you know, at this point, forty years ago, over forty years ago for you all. Does that have any weight, you know, when, when you are thinking about it, uh, the new music? Yeah, I mean, we have an idea of what our uh, yeah, original fans.
2: Expect, but we also have an ear to. I think what it is, I mean, younger fans who, you know, really don't really know the furs. Have just heard you know uh, from other people about them and sort of seen you know new, new bands saying their influences of the psychedelic at first so well, we have to i guess impress them but I don't, I don't think they'd be impressed if we just came back with you know something sounding like us in the 80s so it's, it's a sort of it's, uh, it's like a bit of a tightrope walk to uh, to do an album that us but you know it's going to appeal
1: to people now well, let's let's hear about some of the ins and outs of this too, because I think I read somewhere that this one is maybe more of a band effort that some in the past have had. And and if that's the case, what was the process this time around? Was it any different than the past?
2: Yeah, I mean, for the last few, I guess, for the last four, I mean, the last four Thursday albums, it was. Pretty Matt, you know, songwriting was uh, uh, Richard, myself, and uh, John Ashton, who'd, you know, trade, uh, you know, demo tapes and stuff. But on this album, we had everybody, you know, like Rich, the new guitar player, and Paul uh, Garisto was uh, sent some uh, ideas in. And so there's a lot more people having input which made it easier. Uh, we have more things to choose from, you know, which, I mean, for Richard, you send him an idea. And if he doesn't have a... If it doesn't immediately get him to think the lyrical idea or put him in a in a certain frame of mind, then, you know, it's shelved for later. Not that he won't come back to it, but, you know, he's very much into... If he, something grabs him immediately, you know, he... he he can write the lyrics in really short time,
1: and and, and using—I mean, you all used other family members. I mean, Richard Fortas, I, I think, is you know one of the co-producers on this record, which of course goes back to also love, spit, love. Was that just you know bringing in other parts of the family? You know, why why did you tap him to kind of also head the board?
2: That was that was good. I mean, we've known uh, Richard since he played. He played in a band called Pale Divine, which supported The furs on the uh, World Outside tour, which was the you know last tour we did before taking the, the long break. Uh, and he was a, an old fan from you know uh, uh, early on in our career. So he sort of, his idea of a perfect furs album sort of helped us to uh, handle a lot of the songs. If we probably, I mean, a lot of our songs could be described as being, uh, I guess, sort of laid back, you know, as we got, as we went along in our career. And he sort of pointed out as as a, a major fan what the best part for him of the furs was. And so that and that's how he even played guitar on a couple of tracks. So it sort of helped us to, to to remember what we were originally about and what our original you know sound was. And uh, it, it was it was, I mean, it was really cool work. And As he said, it was like a sort of family. It's not if you go in with a producer you don't really know. It takes a while to sort of get at ease. Uh, but with Richard, it was like immediately. You know we've known him for so long. So it was, it was a very pleasurable experience.
1: With what all you all are doing here, there's so many interesting sounds throughout this record. I mean, I'll bring up Come All You Faithful. That, uh, I mean, there's a lot of interesting layers to that song right there, uh, just picking one out of the pile, too. Uh, how did that one come about?
2: That one, as you talking about other people putting in idea that came from uh, Rich Good, the uh, well, I say new guitar player. He's been with us for like 11 years. But uh, mm-hmm. that, that was one of his ideas. I think Richard immediately liked the vibe of it. He thought the vibe of it. I don't know if you've uh, ever heard of a David Essex song called uh, Lamp Light. Oh, right, yeah. Where it has that really menacing, that sort of sinister menacing sound, mm-hmm. which immediately was what I get, as I was saying, get got Richard into the, the vibe of it and uh, you know, which direction he was going to go lyrically.
1: Like I said, and all the different instrumentation you're using on a track like that, there's a lot to dig into. I should also bring up the the lead single too because Don't Believe was such a solid return. I mean, when you want that classic thing but something new, I think that's what you know impressed everybody with that track. And if you don't mind the broad question on that one too about the, about the, the story there.
2: Uh, well, that was a, uh, a song that, it's, it's strange. It was a, a song that I I'd, I'd written that had a ver- a verse and a chorus and I, I sent it to Richard and he said to me, Yeah, I like the uh the verse part but write another chorus. So I was I was beavering away writing a writing a different not like, riff, the chorus. But we got to the studio and just started playing the uh, the verse riff, and it was like, "Well, that's all you need, you know. That's it. It's uh, the groove is everything on it." It came together pretty quickly. I think it was from the last track we recorded as well.
1: That story happens a lot. Uh, you know, the last track ends up being, you know. The lead single sort of a thing i mean you're not always lucky that because bands the new track is the favorite track a lot of the time (laughs) but you're not always lucky that it ends up being a really solid actual track
2: yeah i think that one is the most one that most harkens back to i guess the early sort of aggression of the first you know circa india you know the first album
1: that one, I, I hope you don't mind me bringing it up, because that one turns 40 years old. March March 7th, I believe, the uh, the debut record that you guys did, the self-titled one there.
2: Really? It only seems like yesterday. <laughs>
1: That's good, because I wanted to ask you a couple questions about it. Maybe it'll be fresh in your mind. I mean, you had only been a band, I think, what, three years at that point?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think when we got signed, we had only played about 40 concerts. But we would, uh, I guess we were making a sort of a, a commotion in the music business and the clubs which we're used to, you know, that the Punk was dying because uh, you know I guess the three three chord trash uh, burn itself out and we we're out there playing and we jam around with a song for like you know ten or fifteen minutes. You know, a song like India and Imitation of Christ would you know go on as long as you know anybody wanted to solo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean- and I, I, I guess record companies uh, you know we, we were picking up a following and record companies was saying hey if they can you know, if they can be playing to you know, 1,000 to 1,500 people in London, you know, why not worldwide? You know, it, it was fresh.
1: But just, you know, seeing that timeline, I mean, you went from not knowing how to play any instruments a few years before as the band started to being very seasoned in a very short time. I mean, what do you attribute that to? Uh, a lot of
2: rehearsals. <laughs> <laughs> we'd rehearse, we'd, we'd jam in, you know, my, uh, my parents' front room or, you know, when they threw us out because we were too loud. We'd do rehearsals without any gigs. We'd just go in and rehearse, you know, just just
1: to have fun. You know, you were a little. You know, punk might have been dying, but you know, having been a little bit influenced by that, the saxophone I think is what always caught my ear about that time because saxophone definitely wasn't common in punk, although it was coming up in, in ska and and sounds like that. Where did that decision come from to to be to have that as a featured instrument in what you were a six piece at the time?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it wasn't sort a of thing where we. We were getting a band together, and thought, oh, we have to have a sax. Our brother, who, Simon, who was actually in the original band with us, uh, went to school with Roger, the original guitar player, and Duncan Kilburn, the sax player. So when we were doing the, uh, the jamming around, you know, he, he would come over, and he was just learning to play saxophone, so he'd, you know, honk away in the background. And it, as time went by, he, well, we all played, started to play better. So that, I mean that's how he came to be in a band we, we had sex it wasn't a uh, a thing that we decided at the beginning well, we wanna, we want to form a band and have a sex. <laughs> it just happened it just
1: happened you know as it as it went along well, it ended up being sort of you know some of those defining sounds of those early years
2: yeah and it, 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 it is a, a defining sound it's, as you're saying that at that time when you get you know bands playing three chord songs mm-hmm. you know about anarchy and <laughs> Whatever we we'd be playing. It was a more of a sort of a, I guess you could say, Roxy music uh, cross with the Stooges.
1: Right, right, yeah. And and again, I'll, I'll use, I'll I'll even purposely overuse this word. It was just magical, you know, the 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 chemistry that that all came to that, uh, which is a hard thing to come by. it, it, it
2: yeah, it is. I mean, I, being in a band, I don't sort of think about it much because it's just you know it's there but it is it is a uh even nowadays it's, it's quite a different thing to have in a rock band
1: well i i love how the chemistry is still there not even counting you know different people kind of coming and going because again this new record made of rain is something really special
2: Oh, thank you. It's been a long time coming. So. <laughs> well, I'm glad it's happened. It's good that it's uh, meeting expectations.
1: I'll also quickly bring up, you know, we're, I'm based here in the in Louisville, Kentucky, and as I read, you're not far from here, right? Stanford, Kentucky. Stanford. Now, that's, you know, in the middle of Kentucky, that's not where you consider a post-punk legend to reside these days. Does the community down there know what you're doing? I mean, some people, but not.
2: not I mean yeah you' walk into a restaurant sometimes, and people sort of
1: recognise me but you know it's its it's not
2: it's not a hotbed of uh <laughs> new music. <laughs>
1: Oh, we've, uh, I've always enjoyed kind of knowing that, uh, that you guys, because you've played up here in Louisville a couple of times in the past few years, Once I think twice and everything that caught one of those shows at the Mercury Ballroom. And I, I don't know if that's one of those shows where you get to keep the house keys in your pockets or not, but, uh, you know, it's kind of cool having you this close.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've been here probably 12 years and I married, uh, the reason I'm down here is I met my wife who's, uh, was born in Liberty, Kentucky, mm-hmm. uh, on, uh, on MySpace. Oh, wow. <laughs> She's after, after a few months of, like, you know, bees flying down here to see her and her flying up to where I was living in South Jersey at the time. She said, well, why don't you, you know, come down? Here. You're not tied down to any particular city because of your job. Why don't you come down and uh, move in with me? So I was, here I am, moved down here.
1: It's, it's, uh, it's a different and place.
2: I love it because it it, uh, for years I lived in uh, on Manhattan Island, Mm-hmm. And it's so, it's, you know, I, I know it's the city that never sleeps, but if you want to sleep and you're paying out, outrageous rent on an apartment, you know, on Manhattan Island, it's, it's just, <laughs> you're just wasting money. Right. <laughs> so when I decided, you know, I was no longer the, uh, the nightlife person, That's it a- was perfect time to... To move out. And down here, it's very like where Rich and I grew up in England, in the countryside, you know, farms and all around.
1: Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons I stick around here, too. It's a travel lot. The hotels are expensive. It's nice coming back home. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, No place like home. (laughs) Tim, it's been such a pleasure and really an honor to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time today. The new Psychedelic Furs uh, album, Made of Rain. I I love it. So I'm absolutely so happy that you guys are... uh, are still doing this after all this time? Well, thank you, and it makes it to hear that makes it worthwhile having done it. <laughs> no, it was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, take care, man.
2: Thanks, Carl. You too. All right. all right,
1: bye. Bye. Ah, huge thing, Tim Butler the psychedelic furs the new record is called made of rain and thanks to you for checking out the episode again if you're not already a subscriber uh, I do hope you do that before you get out of here especially if you enjoyed listening to what you just heard we do that multiple times a week so you might as well jump on board iTunes Apple Podcasts Spotify YouTube Podchaser Acast Stitcher NPR.org wherever you get your podcast from you can type in Kyle Meredith with and that's where you'll find us after that head to WFPK.org, and that's where I do it. show monday through friday at 6 p.m eastern it's an hour full of song premieres and music news anniversary spins and bonus interviews again that's wfpk.org consequence of sound has your music and film news you can also find me on just about any social media platform all the major ones anyway at kyle meredith that does it for another edition i'm kyle meredith i'll see you next time